Hey everybody, welcome back to the Practitioner's Podcast, where we're applying Jesus-style disciple-making to everyday life. This episode and all of our episodes are powered by Navigators Church Ministries, which helps churches make disciples who can make disciples. For more information, check out their website, navigatorschurchministries.org. Justin, random question of the day. Are you ready? I'm ready. Lay it on me. One food that you've never eaten. Oh, wow. Never eaten before in my life. Never tried it. Um, oysters. I have never tried an oyster. Oh, really? I like oysters. I don't know. I might like them, but I've never tried them. How about you? Buffalo. Buffalo. Now, yeah, I've had that's, some you know, buffalo. It, it's really I, good. It, I hear that it's pretty popular, but I don't know that I've ever had buffalo. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we are always learning new things. About Goals, right? Goals. We could, you know what? Maybe I'll take you to lunch. You can get oysters and I'll get buffalo. That'd be fun. That'd be I fun. I can't think of a place that serves both, though. That's the problem. <laughs> that, that would be the challenge, right? <laughs> oh, man. Well, Tony, we're excited to get into, continue talking about consumerism and its impact on disciple making. Um, those of you that were with us last episode, you know this is a second episode in that. And yeah. we talked about last time, right, how satisfaction can be purchased and uh, there's a few tenets of consumerism, and that's kind of the first one, that we can purchase satisfaction, and in a nutshell, it's that they don't need to to depend on God, or we don't need to depend on God in order to uh, have satisfaction. We can find it out in the marketplace in the world. Um, and so we are continuing, right, talking about we're on to the second one today, um, and this second one, Tony, um, it's one that as I've had my antenna up to it for over the past few years has become more and more obvious to me of how we are organized as a culture and as, as, as a society and how it impacts us. And so, and again, building on the first one and like last episode, I kind of am going to talk here for a bit and share kind of the tenets and the principles of consumerism. And then Tony and I will have a conversation around those things. So, um, as I mentioned, um, satisfaction can be purchased as a first tenant. The second one is purchasing power is found in systems. And so um, this makes money the most powerful force in consumerism and in life. And so as we know and probably have seen, most Americans bow down to the almighty, almighty dollar, not the almighty God. And even those who some proclaim right, that we're bowing down to the almighty God, their lives actually reflect a different reality. And that is that they're putting money in the top place. And there's a reason for that. And the reason for that is that in consumerism, if you believe that satisfaction can be purchased, it puts money as the most powerful force in life. Now, money was powerful in Jesus' day as well. And that's why uh, with his 11... Uh, sorry, with his 12, 11 of his 39 parables talk about money and make kind of a thing of it. But uh, when we're talking about purchasing powers found in systems, the question comes out of, well, if if satisfaction is for sale and can be purchased, then the next question is, well, where do I get money, enough money so that I can purchase all the things that I need to be fully satisfied? And that's where systems come in. 
you know, in America and in the West, we are groomed for a systems life. So if you just consider you come into the world, most everybody comes into the world through a system. You're born in an institution of a hospital. Somebody catches you that you don't know that's not in relationship with your parents. Sometimes because of who's on call and who's not on call, the doctor catching you and bringing you into the world is somebody your parents have never even met. But they're trusted because they are uh, part of the system. They've been trained in a system, given power and authority in a system. And the parents, you know, me for my kids, um, lots of people, right? We, we say, well, this is the best thing is a way to have a safe delivery into the world. And so we're born into a hospital and we enter a school when we're around five years old or younger for preschool, another system, an institution. We move through that all the way through high school or college. And then we move into a workplace system with lots of rules and regulations, and we take our place in that system. And finally, after moving through the system of education, we are prepared to earn some money from the system that we are participating in. Mm. And that system is that workplace, right? And so we work for decades on end to get enough money to buy the things that we need to buy. And depending on how immersed in consumerism and bought in we are, uh, we believe that that is what is leading us to satisfaction, uh, to getting those needs met. And finally, after decades and decades of work, some of us retire, are able to retire from the system of work and contributing to the bigger picture of consumerism. And we've stored up enough money where we don't have to work anymore. And then finally, our exit from the world is often through a system, whether it's hospice or, you know, some other aspect of um, system life. And so we are so immersed in systems that most of us don't even see it. Most of us don't even think about it anymore. It's just life. It's just culture, right? And that's what we're kind of unpacking in this series is, is <clears throat> the culture of consumerism and how does it impact us as disciple makers? Now, I need to step back and say, hey, systems aren't all bad. Right. So just because it's a system does not mean it's bad or it's wrong. Actually, there is a lot of benefits to systems compared to a non-systematic way of living. Right. So systems provide consistency. They provide control as well as safety and the ability to scale. And so if you just think about one slice, one system would be like, good example, uh, a Chipotle restaurant. Okay, so there's a system to Chipotle, right? You walk into any Chipotle in the country and you know what it is that you're about to get yourself into when you step into the doors. You know, there's going to be a line. There's going to be certain options given to you. You're going to um, tell the person what you want and you're going to walk out of there with something that looks almost exactly like the Chipotle from where you live. And that's some of the good parts, right? So there's there's other good parts of systems that, you know, there's safety. So we have a system in the U.S. of public health and standards for food safety and restaurants, et cetera, et cetera. And so I want to be clear that, that systems are not bad. Um, but here's the downside of systems, that systems, I would suggest, do almost as much har harm as good and maybe more especially to Christ followers or disciples. Mm. And here's why. 
the system way of living, whether it's a healthcare system, education system, childcare system, is to do a few different things. First, it seeks to elementalize. And what I mean by that is it pulls apart the whole into these different parts. And then it curricularizes. So it says, all right, well, how do I move somebody from one to the next in a systematic sort of way? And then it seeks to manage everyone through the system. And so another way of saying what I just said is systems make relationships optional. Systems don't need us to relate well to one another, but God made humans for relationship, not only with him, but for one another. And we can see that in Genesis 2.18. Systems violate our humanity by making relationships optional. Now that's okay if you're a consumer and what you believe is that I can get satisfaction in life through purchasing things, uh, whether it's purchasing time, things, experiences, if that's my way of getting satisfaction, if I believe that, then it's okay. I don't need people or relationships. But this is one of the ways that we are all being impacted because these systems are leading us towards those sorts of beliefs. And once you get your antenna up to those certain things, you can begin to see that happening all around you. So Tony, that's kind of the big picture today. Uh, system life impacts the way we relate to one another, to our work and to ourselves. And let's talk about a little bit what kind of what you're hearing, but also how it impacts us as disciples and disciple makers. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the thing that's really jumping off of uh, the screen for me is this idea about inherited systems and that oftentimes um, inherited systems we're either born into, brought into, or ushered into because of what we're trying to accomplish as a consumer, right? Mm -hmm. So our consumeristic nature naturally lends us to inherited systems. It, it reminds me of a book um, that I read a while ago called, called Resident Aliens. Okay. And it was this idea about Christians being aliens in the community that they're in, right? And so this same idea is seems like it, it happens all the time with systems. Systems breed a culture of of what the system is trying to produce, right? Whether that's uh, burritos at Chipotle or, or yeah. whether that's retirement at GM, right? Like it, it's it's one of those things that the system is inherited. It, it creates and breeds a culture, and that's kind of how all of that is is played out. So I can see where that would be a problem in disciple making. Um, but, but couldn't it also be a, a gift in disciple making if we create a, a, a kind of a, um, a system of reproduction? I mean, am I off base there? Could, is it possible to create a healthy system? Yeah. So that's a great question, right? So again, systems aren't all bad. And so there are some good things in them. Um, I would suggest, especially in disciple making, what I'm seeing all over is, attempts at curriculums and systems as the dominant piece of disciple making. Now, mm. they, they won't tell me it's the dominant piece, but when we start to get down into the details and how it's impacting those who are uh, using it and experiencing it, uh, it is overshadowing the relationships, right? And so now I'm all for being intentional, right? And thinking through, 
uh, what we're doing and why we're doing and even sequencing of how we're doing. Um, but when we get it all the way packaged up into a system that is deliverable, purchasable, uh, elementalized, uh, that's where I see a lot of a lot of trouble happening, right? Or a lot of, uh, we're not getting to those outcomes that we're seeking to get of people catching a vision of, no, this is about loving others hmm. at such a deep level that we're passing on our relationship with God to others. I don't know. How, what, what do you think? What do you see? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, as you were kind of explaining this, I, I think that that might bring us to a very good distinction that there is a difference between systems and tools. Hmm, right. Yeah. And as I, as I was thinking about the idea of disciple making, you and I are both very passionate about the idea of tool based disciple making. Well, with tool based disciple making, one of the things that happens is we show up and we have a, a toolbox of of things that we can use based off of the relationship. So yeah. instead of system based disciple making, where the system dictates the relationship in the other version of tool-based disciple making, the relationship determines which tool we use. Yes. And so the, the relationship is first. So if I'm working yeah. with uh, an engineer, the type of tools that I would use would be very different than if I'm working with um, a, a, a sales professional because right. their personalities, how they interact with the, the material is so different. And, and that will, will kind of dictate which tool we'll use versus a system is already in place. So I, yes. I'm not trying to train someone in systems. I'm trying to sit, train someone with tools. Am I saying that right, you think? Yeah, no, I really like that. I think that's an important distinction, right? And even thinking about what is a tool and what does it do, right? So tools don't do the work. Tools right. help the craftsman do the work. And so you can put a tool in the hands of somebody that's unskilled and it's still not going to go well. Right. Mm. But if you put an even an inferior tool in the hands of someone who is thoroughly trained, an expert craftsman, it'll be sufficient. And so a lot of times I see um, we're using curriculums and people are calling them tools, but they're not really tools because they're doing the work. The curriculum's doing the work, not the person. Yeah. Right. And so that's the struggle of, okay, well, what is the difference here between the system doing the work and the person or the relationship being the dominant part of doing the work? And, you know, Tony, it reminds me that we we actually talked around this sort of thing in different language just a couple episodes ago when we were talking about whether pastors should have fr friendships within their, um, within their church. And to me, that's a consumerism question because if pastors view themselves as leaders within a system, as opposed to people within a community. Well, those lead to very different ways of being within that space, right? Mm -hmm. And so if we're just part of a system and that's how we're getting our money and that's we're the expert there. And so we're having all these services. We just came out of Christmas not too long ago and all the extra things that are going on for pastors at Christmas. Well, it's expected as part of the system. Um, but if we're seeing ourselves primarily as a participant within a community, our way of being there is, is very, very different. Yeah, you know, this it reminds me a little bit um, of the denomination that I was a part of, right? Because I, I was 
for for seven years, I was a Methodist pastor, and I love the Methodist Church. I love Wesleyan theology. Um, and then recently, uh, I got a call from my district superintendent, and she said, um, and I'll never forget it. She said, "Hey, Tony, we think it's it's time for you to move, mm-hmm. right? I, I move away from Restoration, move away from Centerville, and uh, and take a new church." And I said, uh, I said ma'am, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to move. Like, I feel like I'm building generational disciples. It's going to take a, a generation for me to do that. I'm going to need the time. I'm going to need the space. And, yeah. and she said, well, that that's not how our system works. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and she goes, you know, that the system is, is that you move when we tell you to move and that's kind of how it works. And so I had to, in order to, to continue with what I felt like God was calling me to, I had to step out of the system because, yep right, wrong, or indifferent, right? And this isn't a judgment on the Methodist church. They've been doing it this way for a lot longer than I've been alive. But but the system is what sets the tone for the pieces of their uh, their process, right? Like it's, yeah. you know, if, if you're a Methodist pastor, that, that word Methodist indicates that you've accepted and decided to step in to their system. So mm. in order to get out of this system, I had to give up some uh, at the time what felt like security and what I love to do but in the long run my calling from God was bigger than the system yeah yeah no that's a good example and it reminds me of something my friend Bill Mowry says often is he says that it's easier to regulate than it is to relate mm. say that again and so yeah easier to regulate than it is to relate and so Oftentimes, we will default to systems in terms of how we manage and how we lead because it's just a lot messier to be in relationship with people. Yeah. And to figure out what do they actually need and how do we help them grow? And it's just much easier to say, well, here's a system. You go through it and you'll end up where you need to be. But if you don't, well, that's a hard thing for that other side to say. Be like, well, I went through your system and I still don't feel any different. Hmm. Because then it's like, well... Well, it was a problem you or me because oftentimes the response is, well, we have all these other people. They felt good about it, right? And so um, those are all complications with systems. Another one, and this is um, how individual disciple makers are often uh, affected by this. Uh, One is time, right? Because people are giving their time into a system. Normally it's their work, job, right? So they don't have time to do a lot outside of that. Because they're 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 working hard to get the money and the resources that they need to participate in these other systems the way that they feel like they should. Mm-hmm. But the other side of it is that others won't even start because they feel like, all right, well, I'm an accountant. So I'm an expert in that area of my life, Justin. You're asking me to go help people grow in their faith. And I've, I've never been to seminary. I've never been trained in that. And so that must be for somebody else to do. Maybe I could just manage the books of the church. Maybe that's what God's called me to do as part of um, building the kingdom. And it just shrinks down our vision so far because we think, well, God's call, his full call for us to make disciples isn't for everybody. We think it's just for the experts when in actuality it is, right? It is for all of us. Sure. Yeah, it's it's a really good word. I I think sometimes systems, while again they they do offer some sense of security, they they just offer uh, what they also do is limit our ability to see the fullness that God has for us. 
yeah. because the fullness that God has for us, you know, first John four, and no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete by us. You know, the very nature of God's love is relational. It's not systematic. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the fact that Jesus came to earth in, in the flesh relationally is what makes this work. It, w- it wasn't a system. God didn't send a system. He sent a person in yeah. himself. Amen. And I, I just think that's really important when we think about um, disciple making, consumerism, and how we battle it back. Uh, Justin, would you share the takeaway and the action step for us? Yes. Our takeaway today is systems make relationships optional. Systems make relationships optional. And we have to fight against that, right? So we our antennas need to be up to that, have to be aware, because relationships in the kingdom of God are not optional. Mm. Our action step then is to evaluate the system you're currently discipling in. So uh, how are you discipling? How are you being discipled? Is it driven through through and by a system, or is it driven through relationships? And trying to, after you evaluate that, try to lean in more to relationships. And, you know, again, for me, I think our series on consumerism and disciple making, my hope is, and I know Tony's the same way, is that it's going to raise up your antenna and your level of awareness to these things in our culture that's really driving our culture, not only in the church, but in every place that we go in our culture, there's systems around us and there's expectations that the system places on you. And we're going to get more into all that stuff as we move uh, forward into the next episode. So thanks again for being with us. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, If you haven't yet, click that subscribe button, share it with your friends, and we'll see you next time.